Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Can you hear me? Yes. yes. yes good. Lovely. Um, it's lovely to be with you, and um, we're going to continue looking at this chosen series. And before I start, I just wanted to share something um, that was given to me once that's also called Chosen. I've got a friend called Rachel who makes uh, beautiful sculptures out of glass. Yeah. And um, I've got it here. So part of it is a kind of a bowl shape and the other part is like a gold pebble that fits in the top. And it's called Chosen for two reasons, I think. Partly, and sometimes, I imagine that my life is this bowl shape. And I choose to put God, the gold pebble, to fill my life. On other occasions, I imagine that the bowl shape is God's hands, and he's got me, and he's holding me. Or sometimes, if I'm feeling worried about someone, or I'm praying for someone, then I'll say their name, and I'll put them in God's hands, and it's a kind of prayer. So, chosen, you can look at two ways. And I've been thinking about the title of this box set, too. Is the chosen Jesus, the chosen one that God sent, or is the chosen the people who uh, Jesus shared his life with? And of course, the answer is yes. <laughs> it's both. It's both. We're learning more about Jesus as we go through this series together, but also we're learning something about the people who are around Jesus um, in, in the kind of Bible times. And because those were people, they were human, just like you or me, we actually find ourselves in the story as well. We learn something of ourselves and we learn something about what it looks like to be a disciple, to be a friend of Jesus. And as we look at this next little instalment tonight, I just pray that for each one of us, we'll each find maybe a challenge and maybe we'll find a word of comfort and encouragement too. So before I really delve into the story, shall we pray together? Jesus, I think about this time that we've set apart like this little blue bowl, and together we choose to put you into this space. And I pray that you would fill our thoughts, you'd fill our hearts, you'd fill our inspiration, you'd fill our wills, that as we leave this place, we too would know something more about what it means to follow you. And I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Would someone like to hold this while I speak? Oh, you can have a piece each. There we are. <laughs> okay. So, so far in our um, series, we've met Mary, who was called by name, and her life was completely transformed by that encounter. And last week, we looked at the little children um, who were drawn to Jesus, and Andrew, who was speaking, um, challenged us to try and hold on to some of those wonderful qualities of a child as we too follow Jesus. But tonight, and we come to one of the most well-known of the disciples, I think, uh, Simon Peter. Simon Peter, he starts off called Simon and then is given a new name, Peter. So 
if I say Simon or Peter, we're, still, we're talking about the same person all the way through. And we're going to look at just two clips from the series tonight. One shorter one, the first one is a kind of imagined scene that the creators of the series have um, come up with. And then the second one we'll look at a bit later is very true to a very well-known Bible story that I think most of you will know. So we're going to watch the first one in just a second. So Simon Peter, if you don't know, is a fisherman, but the fish aren't biting. So Simon has got himself into a mess. Um, His fishing's not going well. Without enough fish, he hasn't got enough money. He's still got mouths to feed, taxes to pay, and he's living in a context of um, the Roman occupation and strict religious rules. And now the kind of final straw is that his wife's invited her mother to come and stay. And (laughs) this is all just too much for headstrong and resourceful Simon. And the cracks are beginning to show the stress and the pressure has spoilt his relationship with his wife. He's moody with her and he started to tell lies. He's planning to collude with the enemy, the Romans, and he's going to betray his fellow fishermen. He's been fishing on the Sabbath, breaking religious rules. He's grown up with all his life. And in a scene a bit later, you see him raging against God. How can there be a God there when he's disappointed him and let him down so much? It wasn't his fault that the fish weren't biting, but now he's way out of control and his life is crumbling around him. And he's facing either severe Roman punishment or the prospect of just having to run away and escape and leave behind him everyone and everything that he's ever loved. I wonder how you cope when you're under pressure. Do you put your head down and think, I'm going to sort this, I'm going to make this work? Or do you reach out to other people? Do you reach out to God for help? I think James would say that I'm probably someone who's not very good at delegating. And um, I try to sort things out myself. And I had wanted to tell you a little story tonight that for various reasons isn't the time to tell you. But it started on a day when I was dressed nice in white trousers and ready for a lovely birthday event for my daughter and by the end of the morning, not even by the end of the morning, by nine o'clock I was covered in mud, um, (laughs) having uh, terrified a family of ducks and was the laughing stock of the local boating community. So catch me on another day and I'll tell you that story. But I learned an important lesson that day that I didn't need to try and do it all in my own strength. But if I'd reached out for a bit of help, I wouldn't have ended up in such a mess. But I only lost my dignity that day. Simon is about to kind of lose his life, really. And I guess there's something in all of us that does like to be in control. We like to think, I've got this, I can sort this out. And I guess right from when we're little children, we're praised, aren't you? When you learn to tie your shoes up for the first time or feed yourself or go to school on your own, we're praised, aren't we? And we end up as adults as wanting to be a self-made man or an independent woman. But we weren't really wired up like that, were we? 
We're not meant to be isolated. Sooner or later, we need other people. Sooner or later, we need a saviour. So let's see what happened to Simon when Jesus turned up in his life after another night of fruitless fishing. So the miracle of the fish, and um, I do recommend if you have a spare few minutes at home, um, if you go onto YouTube and look for the miracle of the miracle of the fish, um, there's a really nice little piece where the guy, Dallas, his name I think, who um, is behind this whole series, how they um, worked out how to film the catch of fish. And um, if you read it, it's amazing. Three of them get quite choked up and tearful talking about how that happened because they just didn't know how they were going to film it. And it ended up being, I think, the most special moment for them in the whole of the series. So do watch that if you can. Dallas said, I just had to trust. It's a scary place to be when you're powerless. But for me, it felt like a beautiful place to be. God provided a solution that was better than the plans we had. Being powerless is a scary place, but it's also a beautiful place to be when God's with you. And I guess that was Peter's experience, Simon's experience too. And I love that dynamic there that Jesus often uses, that he just doesn't come and waft a magic wand over things and then everything's wonderful. So often Jesus asks for the little thing that we have and then does so much more. He just wanted somewhere to stand on Peter's boat and then look what happened. And another occasion, he asked for a glass of water from the Samaritan woman and then he transformed her life. He um, accepted a dinner invitation and again transformed the life of his host. Jesus models for us that the way we are to live is a life of both giving and receiving. Jesus, of course, knew how to give so generously, but he also knew how to receive. And it's the same for us. We talk about our faith being personal, and of course, in some ways it is, but the Christian life is a life that we live together. It's about one another. We are better together. Right back in creation, God said it's not good for man to be alone. And as we go through the Bible, we see picture of God's people as being like a family. We are brothers and sisters together. There's a lovely uh, lady who comes to this church called Irene. She calls me her sister, and that touches me more than I can say. We're sisters. But also there's the image of us being like a body, every single one of us has a vital and important part to play, and we're incomplete without each other. Jesus is the head, and all of us form a body together. Peter learnt that lesson, that he couldn't sort his problems out on his own. He needed a saviour. He needed the others around him too. And I love it that later in the Bible, there's the book of Peter, which is like a letter written from Peter. And there he uses the word chosen, which is lovely because that's our series. 
but he talks about how Jesus is the chosen one and he's like a cornerstone and we're like this building and we're all precious stones, like the precious stone that Emma's holding there, um, built together, resting on one another, supporting the weight of one another. A more modern day disciple who actually has also died now was a man called John Stott. He, He led a church and he wrote more than 50 books and throughout his life he was constantly learning about what it meant to be a friend of Jesus. And the very last book he wrote was called The Radical Disciple. And he sort of shared his kind of golden nuggets that he'd learned throughout his life. And after a fall in his old age, he realized how important it is in our Christian lives that we are to depend on one another. And he says this towards the end. I sometimes hear old people, including Christian people who should know better, say, I don't want to be a burden on anyone else. I'm happy carrying on so long as I can look after myself. But as soon as I become a burden, I would rather die. But John Stock goes on to say, but this is wrong. We are all designed to be a burden to others. You are designed to be a burden to me, and I am designed to be a burden to you. And the life of the family, including the life of the local church family, should be one of mutual burdensomeness. As it says in Galatians, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So as I come to finish now, often when we think about this famous story of the miraculous catch of fish, we might think about Jesus' supernatural power somehow uh, providing those fish. Sometimes we think about it in terms of the call on Simon Peter to be a disciple. But tonight we're thinking about it in a different way. This story invites us to make a choice. Maybe we've been brought up to be very independent and self-sufficient. Maybe we've been hurt and disappointed by other people. And quite naturally, we've grown a protective shell around ourselves, a barrier to keep other people at a distance. Tonight, we have an opportunity to choose again, to perhaps to realize that on our own, we're not enough, But that's not a failing. That's how we're meant to be. We're meant to be here for one another. We're meant to need a saviour. Because in our weaknesses, God can come in his strength. And then the glory goes to him and not to us. This week, I've spoken to several people from this church who have described really difficult life situations that they're either going through or went through. But each one said, but God was faithful and he provided for me just when I needed it. Being powerless felt scary, but it also became a beautiful place for each of them. Maybe our challenge is to lower those barriers tonight, to ask Jesus to heal and to restore us and to learn to trust one another and him again. Some of us are doing the Alpha course at the moment. In the very first session, 
Bear Grylls, who surely is the most sufficient, self-sufficient man <laughs> around, who can handle himself and anything. He said, I don't want to do life on my own. And every day he starts his day on his knees before God. My third little thing for you to take away that I just felt I wanted to say, which isn't from the story, but thinking about Rachel and her glass and Dallas and his filmmaking, if you're creative, and actually all of us are creative because we're all made in God's image and we're all creative in different ways, but why not surrender that again to God tonight and say, how can I use my creativity to show something of your story, something of your faithfulness, something of your goodness, something of your strength? Shall I just close in prayer and then we'll be singing again? Lord Jesus, you know that sometimes we just despise our weaknesses. We hate not feeling in control, but today we surrender our lives to you again, like that little blue bowl. We surrender our lives and ask you to fill us with your love and your strength and your power. Lord, would our lives tell something about your story, you who came to be a friend, you who came to be a saviour? And may we model that to the people we spend time with this week. And Lord Jesus, you know too that many of us have been hurt and disappointed by what's happened in life and hurt and disappointed by other people. And tonight we choose courage we choose to begin to lower those barriers, to make ourselves vulnerable, to receive as well as to give, that we would truly reflect your body, your family, your temple to the world. And Lord, thank you that you've made each of us just as we are, with different gifts. Show us how we can tell your story in our lives. And we ask this in your name. Amen.